Welcome to you. This is our TLA podcast, and I am your host, Beth Turner. Guests today, David Kopaz and Suzanne Richmond. David joins us from Seattle and Suzanne from Vermont. And it's, I was going to say, so good to see you, and I wish that I could, but I'm just going to say, so good to be with both of you. I want people to know, listeners, a little bit about both of you. And um, starting with David, uh, he is a psychiatrist and a doctor. He is also a painter and an author. He is known for his work with veterans. He is also a passionate student and a teacher of change and transformation. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit more about that. Suzanne has her roots in education. She was the co-creator of the Earth Justice and Health Learning Alliance, and she has facilitated and continues to do so in certain fields that include grief and dying, trauma, social activism, community health systems, and both are very active and wise voices within TLA. I want to just um, bring your attention to something that both Suzanne and, and David had resonated with, and it was actually something that David had, had encountered with a friend that was a suggestion or an invitation, David, just to start a, just to start us off with that. Sure. Uh, I'll give you this phrase that my friend Steve Hunt had said to me one night that, that kind of got things going, which was, we need to start a movement. It's not about going back. It's about transforming into the future. And as I thought about this, I thought, okay, so there, I could feel within my sense, myself, the sense of like wanting to get back to how things were as quickly as possible and not wanting to be present with the discomfort or the uncertainty. And then thinking about, uh, you know, my friend remind me of this idea of transformation that I like so much. And the idea of change is that we just change some information in our brain or we change something that we do. But transformation is when we go inward and our very being changes, who we are changes. So that resonated with me, this idea of like, let's not just rush back to normal, but let's look at the potentials for transformation in this present moment. And Suzanne, what do you, what resonates with you when you hear that from David? Where are we going? Where do we want to go? What kind of self relationship world community do we want to create? so that we can rush toward something that will be a more healthy and whole process for our life. So I start focusing on where are we going at this point? When I hear our governor say, let's return to normal in mid-May, I think, what else do we want? It's an iterative, generative process. So would you say, um, you know, saying yes to this invitation, you know, as uh, David's friend had suggested, what would be some real practical benefits could you see coming out of saying yes to this invitation that I'm not going to avoid? I'm not going to rush back to normal. I'm not going to, you know, shun all the, the discomfort and the chaos just in an effort to bring uh, supposedly bring some peace to myself. What are some thoughts that come up practically even for you, Suzanne? Well, what comes um, immediately is the idea of how do the human, how does the human species and other non-human Earth species get along over time, so we're not creating conditions and co-arising conditions that create pandemics. So I think you know, asking large ecological scientific questions, so we can think about reharmonizing our relationships with all species. 
That's the first thing that comes to mind. Can we learn something about the nature of dis-ease and create a potential for more of a sustainable, robust, healthy interspecies uh, planetary household, using Gary Snyder's word, planetary household? So harmonizing and, um, you know, some some sustainability would be some some benefits and some fruit. And David, some other things that you would say just to encourage where people say, well, that's a nice idea, but how does that really happen? How does it manifest? What, what would be, what be some of the fruit of this to, to, to really say yes to this invitation and to walk it out? I think you have to take the time to go inside and connect with yourself. And that's one of the things that the the virus is offering us is is to have more space and downtime in our life. I mean, one practical thing could be just to take out a journal and to write down what are things that you enjoy about this time um, in quarantine and where things have slowed down. Um, are there elements of this that you would like to continue and to bring into your life? What are the things you most miss from your your previous quote normal life before? Which of those do you really want to bring back into your life? Um, and then to look with more intentionality of how do I want to live? How do I want to create my life? We're in a separation mindset much of the time, and the virus is teaching us um, how to be interconnected. It's teaching us we are all interconnected. The things that we do affect our neighbors, and the things that our neighbors do affect us. So to move to from a separation mindset to an interconnected mindset, then we can embrace the virus as a teacher and to say, what are the things that it's trying to teach us? Who are we? What do we want in our world? What's important for ourselves? What's important for our relationship with the environment? And those would be some bigger, you know, questions, you know, on a bigger scale, David, and just starting off small with just taking the time to go inside, the taking the time to journal. Uh, and be intentional, you know, with the questions. And there was something, I'm going to see if that I can find this. There is something that you had said, um, David, the transformation really must start within each one of us, because in times like this, the tendency is to go out and to maybe assess blame. Um, So another benefit of saying yes to the invitation, would you say, is like, you know, I do get to start with me because I take me with me wherever I go. And if I'm going to start someplace, um, part of the fruit would be just to start. Yes, I I think so. Um, You know, I work with um, a Native American visionary, Joseph Rael, uh, beautiful painted arrow is his Tiwa name. And he and I have worked and written a couple books together. And one of the things he teaches is that um, in the center of the medicine wheel is, is the heart. And in the center of our hearts, we human beings are medicine bags. We contain within our hearts sacred objects, sacred healing objects, that when we go into that space, that's the medicine that we need in our lives and the medicine that the world needs right now. So part of slowing down and connecting inward, we actually can find um, a medicine for this virus. It might not be a medicine in the way we think, something that's going to eliminate the virus or cure it. But when there is no obvious cure, we ourselves become the medicine. And I know 
you know, it's nice to have a practical application, but a practical application can be a quick rush from a fix-it mindset. So I had this this dream. I went through a period of of disorienting vertigo, terrible vertigo I'd never had before that went on for about a week. And during that time, I had this dream where I was walking down an alley and embedded in the wall was a skeleton of a very large bat, maybe about three foot wingspan across this bat. And my first impulse was fear of like, oh, the COVID virus might have come from a bat. I'm going to get the virus. And so my first impulse was to pull back. But I've done enough dream work um, from Jungian uh, perspectives to think you need to go toward whatever it is in the dream that scares you. And so I went and I sat with the bat for a while and it started to struggle and I could tell it was trying to get out of the wall. So I helped extricate it and pull it out, this bat skeleton from the wall. And then I thought, okay, now he's going to give me some wisdom or some teaching. And But the bat skeleton didn't say anything. It just flew off into the night sky and it took me with it. And I thought, okay, well, now I'm going to learn something. And I kept trying to grasp with my mind, what is the, the thing that I'm going to learn here and take back? And in the end, I was kind of disappointed. But after I thought about the dream, after I woke up, I thought the thing that I was learning from the bat was to see in the dark and to be aware of obstacles that I didn't know were there with another sense. So it was a, a sense and experience of going from being disoriented to not seeing things in the dark to being able to perceive with other senses what was going on around me. And then movement became very easy. It was no longer scary. There was no doubt. It was just very clear, but it was using a sense other than what I was used to. So I know that's a kind of esoteric story, but I'll, I thought maybe I'd share it. No, it is. And it's part of the awakening of the senses. And a lot of us go to sleep and have been asleep, anesthetized on a number of, uh, in a def- many realms for many causes. Um, but you no, know, the dream is powerful and metaphorical and, and carries a lot to, you know, absolutely a lot to unpack. And, you know, so Suzanne, you know, the things that David had mentioned, you know, about being medicine bags, the healing, you know, within us, or even the dream itself uh, about the bat and you work, you know, on ecological levels and activism and, you know, really awakening people. So anything within those couple things that he mentioned that really resonate um, for you that carry a message for the audience, for the listeners? Oh, what a, what an amazing story that Joseph Riel shared with you, David, about the inside the heart and the, you know, the gifts, the jewels, the, uh, as you were speaking, I was just having this like a visualization of all of that. And just imagine if everybody and more, more and more people had a, had the opportunity to intentionally become intimate with the content of those gifts in their hearts. And if that awakening, that awareness of those gifts was then brought out into the world as we reemerge from the chrysalis, from this separation, solitudinal time, from this containment. And what if we reincorporated those gifts into our lives and shared them generously with others. And, you know, in the Jewish tradition, a tradition that I come from, there is the idea of tikkun alum, 
which is um, service in in a way it's bringing bringing spirit into the world as you were reflecting on David and I think if there was ever a time in my life for tikkun alum it's now where we find those gifts that we carry and we bring them out in the service of spiritual activism to create from a grateful gifted heart a way to fill our own sails and then create a peaceful, just, and kind culture of belonging um, among us. And not just among our human interrelationships, but among all species too. Because we know that coronavirus um, has a home in the bat world. And the first, uh, well, epidemiology being um, an imperfect science, um, but at least for the moment, theorizes that we as humans encountered that virus through the bats. And they were doing just fine holding on to the virus. They could co-occupy. The virus co-occupied their, their biological mammalian bodies just fine, but we weren't ready for it. But I think we need to be ready for being able to share this planet with all species. So the spiritual healing and the heart, I think that's where it begins and the gifts of the heart that can be brought out and then be extended into the living, breathing, uh, interrelational, social, spiritual, and ecological world. I just want, because you guys are good friends, I want to give you a chance. Is there anything you want to ask each other, you know, about how you're doing or things you're practicing or things that are grounding you? Anything that you want to ask each other right now? Suzanne, I'd like to hear you talk about it was a quote that you you said a while back ago on a different different conference call about creativity introverts being the wild seed that hold the creativity during chaotic times or something like that do you remember that saying that <laughs> it's kind of an introverted time here so so can you say something about that wild seed and holding it and tending it i sort of kind of yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the wild seed is sort of like the the heart full of all of that, all those gifts and uh, treasures. And um, you know, seeds contain DNA, and I think uh, the create the the seed uh, on a metaphorical level is the seed of all that is possible. And. I know um, I'm doing just fine being all holed up because I tend to be um, easily um, identified as an introvert. And I'm finding time to be in my silence and tend the wild seed of the gardens, literally out back, and prune the blueberries and find ways to cultivate new plants from the prunings of the old. And while I'm doing that in my physical, gardening, ecological, dirty fingernail world, um, also tending my own wild seed of silence and peaceful abiding in that time of gardening. And I'm noticing my inner spirit world is co-activated with my practical, my practical practice in the garden, my practice of garden. How's that for a tongue twister? <laughs> how about you, David? What how's your wild seed being tended these days in, in your time down into the dark? 
and silence. Yeah, I love I love having all this um, introverted time for reading and writing, um, catching up on different writing projects that I've had. And, and I had that episode of the week-long vertigo, and that was a time where I couldn't do anything. I was really forced back upon myself. Um, and so I noticed the reflex within myself to always be doing. And I think that's part of where our society may be imbalanced is we focus on doing, but we don't focus on being. And being takes time. Being is that introverted, pausing place. And when you be with yourself, when you're in a state of being at a very deep level, I think the doing comes from that automatically without having to force it. But if you do all the time without being, then it ends up... um, just causing this uh, a vicious cycle, a negative circular pattern. So I feel like I've had a, a chance to really fall back within myself in a deeper way and to put things together, pieces together of things that have been a part within me and maybe within the world as well. You know, that you hear from both David and Suzanne, you know, deep, deep reflective time, um, you know, and also you know, they're starting to see the fruit of it. So that is part of, part of the, you know, the atmosphere and the climate right now is just sharing your story, you know, where you are, because it carries seeds, um, it carries DNA as both of them had, you know, had indicated, um, indicated through this uh, planetary pilgrimage that we are on. So um, my thanks to both of you for your generous time today, as I, you know, just feel that, you know, every even just a fragment of a sentence carries an entire meal. Uh, there's so much to, um, so many nutrients in it, so much life. You know, I'm just going to keep re-listening. And if I can, I'll even transcribe it because it's been beautiful. So thank you, you know, for both of you. I want to let listeners know that there are additional podcasts on this topic. For the original, the genesis of all of this, you would want to listen to the call, the invitation, what kinds of kind of gives you a an overall idea about how David and Suzanne started talking about this subject and, you know, how we got this far on the podcast. Also, the other one is where David and Suzanne uh, share a little bit about what's at stake if we do not say yes to the call or the invitation to not rush back to what we perceived or conceived as normal. So my thanks again to both of you for being here today, you know, for your message, very thoughtful and packed with wisdom, packed with life. And also, you know, of course, um, the gratitude for the wider message of TLA, especially in this time as a network that we're absolutely devoted to creating new and also ongoing meaningful ways of being together, even while we're apart. 